The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Most people think that the parables in the Bible are all about telling stories so that it would be super duper understandable for the people who were listening. But while that's a little true, it's not true 100% of the time. And in fact, sometimes the exact opposite is true. So if you've never thought about that or wondered about this question of why do parables exist in the Bible, that's what we are going to talk about in this episode of Story World. So this is the Story World podcast. I'm Steve. This is my boy, Al. What's up, Al? I am excited to be here, Steve. And uh, it's such an incredible introduction that makes me want to go re-listen to all seven or eight episodes that we've put out about this, just so I can learn yes. what we've already taught ourselves. And so, yes, if this is the first time that you have the distinct pleasure of checking out the Story World podcast, go back a few episodes. We've been doing this series on the parables uh, from the Bible, and it's been pretty legit. And this one wraps it up. We're uh, we're finally on our last episode of the parables. It feels like uh, the end of an era. And if you've stuck with us this whole way through, this was a long, I think the series, even though we intended it to be seven or eight episodes, felt longer probably than yeah. what we even thought it would be. But I think it was a really good one to, to tackle. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to close it out tonight and hopefully put a nice little ribbon on it. Yeah, me too. Well, we've missed a few weeks here and there. So anyway, yep. you know, it's uh, it's all good. So um, so let's dive right in. So one of the chapters in the Bible that talks about parables quite a bit or that has a, a couple different parables in it and explains uh, the parables is um, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along with us, you can go to Matthew uh, 13 and um, look at, at verses 10 through 12. And that's where we're going to be hanging out for just a minute. And then a few verses after that too. So um, let's just get right into it. All right. So the, the first reason that Jesus uses parables in the Bible, that the Bible states that parables are being used is to reveal truth to those who seek. Alex, you want to read the little short description we have there for that? Yeah, sounds good. Um, so parables function as a means to convey spiritual truth. Those who generally saw understanding would ponder them and find their meaning either on their own or with Jesus explanation. And um, I'll go ahead and just because it's short, I'll read Matthew 13, 10 to 12. The disciples came yeah. to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. Um, Mm. yeah it's uh i think it's interesting i i didn't think to look this up before but i wonder how many parables jesus had been speaking or had had given up until the point where the disciples finally decided to ask why he was telling yeah. them parables i think it was quite a bit because this one this 
this kind of question that they bring to him is kind of pigeonholed between a bunch of parables. It's almost like it, it kind is. of struck them in the middle of it. I find that a little interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and you have some parables where um, the, 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 the explanation of the parable is not given, right? It's just kind of like they're supposed to like think about it. Mm. But then you have some where the parable, uh, the explanation is given publicly. And then you have others where the explanation is sort of given uh, privately. Yeah. So this is like kind of an inside look at the disciples asking Jesus, like, why are you actually doing this? Why is this a part of your ministry? And it's one of those random why questions that the Bible answers for us in this case that, um, you know, a lot of times we don't get. Uh, but the answer is interesting because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. I mean, have you ever thought about that? It's pretty crazy. It's um, honestly, it's more... It does have a layer of conf of confusion to it, almost the the, the answer itself, because you would think just kind of we all think is that he uses parables as just an interesting way to convey something, which from its core, it's what it is. But he kind of really takes a, a deeper level here and says, no, like this is stuff that can be revealed to you because, you know, you are, you know, my adopted children, you're, you know, sons and sons and daughters of God, however you want to phrase it and you know this knowledge can be given to you because it's it's truth and it's something that you seek and you can find yeah now something that i think is interesting here because i i definitely think there's some truth to like the common the common idea that well like oftentimes when you read a parable like it, it clearly is being conveyed in terms that are arguably more understandable Right, like, um, you know, the, the New Testament has quite a bit of intense theological talk in it, especially when you get to the letters of Paul. And, uh, it, it, you know, and it's pretty uncontroversial that some of the parables are a little bit easier to understand than some of the hardcore theological uh, teaching. Now, some of them are not, uh, but some of them are. And so... To me, I wonder when it says, like, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Specifically, just trying to keep on this point of, of, of to reveal truth to those who seek. Um, the Bible says that those who seek after the truth of, of, of Christ, of the, of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, uh, it will be revealed to him. In other words, someone who is genuinely in their heart of hearts open and curious to learn more about the gospel can understand it. And, and I think maybe you can come, come in here and tell me what you think of this. I kind of think of this in the same way that, um, um, that Paul talks about the natural man, not understanding, but the spiritual man who has ears to hear, um, can understand uh, reading the scriptures and understanding um, the Bible. I've always found that interesting because it's not like, I mean, there are some very educated atheists, right? It's not like they can read the scriptures and not know what it means. It's just, it's just that they're not able to like internalize it spiritually. Whereas someone who's really seeking after truth is able to internalize it spiritually. Does that make sense? I, I think that's what it's getting at, but is that what the impression that you get? I think so. I'm going to kind of say it in maybe different words. And I think we're kind of talking about the same thing. I, I've kind of had a related thought where, okay, understanding, 
you know, understanding what something means. Like we used to, I think anyone can, whether it's the Proverbs or going through the parables, can have a general understanding of, of what it's saying. But I kind of relate it to, and I don't know, I'm not, uh, I don't know Greek, Hebrew and all that stuff. And, you know, what exactly what word, you know, is chosen from understanding. But it, it almost kind of reminds me of when it kind of dawns on you from time to time, the relationship you have with Jesus. And it's almost like that something that someone who's not a follower of Christ just doesn't get, um, whether it's someone who is hostile to the faith or just they just don't understand it. I think it's kind of similar to that, where you could read a parable and know knowledge wise exactly what it's saying, but it might have a totally different understanding or meaning or feeling to someone who is a believer. And so mm-hmm. I think that there's a little something there, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. In fact, that reminds me. I was telling you earlier that um, I, you know, I write for a a, a Christian uh, online magazine, and I was writing an article today on um, Scientology versus Christianity. You know, what is it, and how does it sort of differ from from Christian thought and teaching? And one of the things in my research for writing that that I saw was an interview, um, or at least a clip of an interview of Tom Cruise, who is a very well known Scientologist and uh, out, very outspoken. And uh, Matt Lauer, I mean, this was back in like the early 2000s, mm. this interview was. And um, um, without getting all into the details, Tom was making uh, a point that is made often in the realm of Scientology that psychiatrists are bunk, right? That like the whole field of psychiatry is basically um, uh, not useful. It's it's wrong. It's it, in some sense, even though this wouldn't be entirely accurate to say demonic, almost like it's it's meant to deceive and um um matt kept pressing tom on these points and tom kept saying yeah but see it's because you don't understand you don't have the knowledge of the of the, mm. of the true history of psychology and i of psychiatry and i do you don't have that knowledge and i do have that knowledge now i don't think that's what's happening here right i i don't think what we're saying is nanny nanny boo boo we know something you don't know because we can all read the scriptures and know the same thing. I think it has a lot more to do. And I think this would be biblically consistent with the heart, um, the heart of a person who is truly open to receiving. If God is real, if Jesus is truly the savior, etc. If a person is open in their heart to understanding that and receiving that, then Somebody who wants that and truly desires that, like it says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And this is echoed in various parables and in various places throughout the scripture. And then it says, whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And so, again, I almost think about then the opposite thing happening, which seems to be true. Doesn't it seem like the world is descending more and more into chaos? And it seems like almost as a natural consequence of their failure to seek the knowledge of the Lord, they keep descending backwards into more and more just, mm-hmm. uh, to use a Christian term, depravity. And then from that, we get just a bunch of weird stuff, like people trying to marry their computers or live with cats and paint their faces and get plastic surgery to look like a cat, right? Stuff like that, I think, is just literally a natural outworking of that not having not having those spiritual eyes and spiritual ears or a desire to have them. And then even what they do have, their sanity, whatever, will be taken from them. I think that's all kind of going on here in this idea of of, of, of parables. 
I think uh, say it simply. It's like it's all the above there. Um, it, it's it's not just a uh, you know, parables mean solely this and parables mean solely that, and they're only applicable to life in this way. I think it's all the above, and I think what well, you're right. What it comes down to the core issue is is a heart issue, and it's kind of cool how something so important like that Jesus decides to use the majority of the time of the parables or all the time um, stories to convey to convey that um, just kind of shows how vulnerable, I guess you can say the heart is to uh, being turned and moved in certain ways based on a story being told. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It comes yeah. down to the heart, to the heart condition in the end. It, what One thing yeah. that's kind of interesting is about the understanding is um, especially the um, parables that talk about like prophecy and we can have like pretty good like guesses as far as whether it's talking about either like the temple destruction. Those are pretty clear um, whether it was referring to stuff happening in that days or time still to come. So there's still even parables that we don't fully understand. But um, I mean, it says it says here that whoever has even more will be given to you. So I think it's just it's an understanding that will continuously be given. Um, just kind of something that's funny mm-hmm. is that that pops through our mind is we don't necessarily understand everything a hundred percent. doesn't mean we don't have a certain level of understanding. Um, Correct. And through the parables. Yeah. yeah 100%. So I think it's very consistent with like, with what we actually see like in people's, mm-hmm. in people's lives and our own experience. Um, all right. So let's move to number two. So, in, with, so with this first one, right, it's more about the positive revealing truth to those who seek it. And obviously those who are not seeking truth, um, they will actually, I'm just going to use what I'm I'm just going to say the words that I'm thinking because it'll get the point across clearly. They become dumber over time, right? In in the sense that they become more spiritually dark over time naturally as a consequence of not seeking out truth. But the second one takes the point to sort of the next level by saying that actually part of the purpose of parables was to conceal truth from the unbelieving and hard-hearted. So this one gets really interesting and I have lots of thoughts, but go ahead and read the description on this one. Yeah, so parables also function as a form of um, divine judgment. They conceal truth from those who are hard-hearted or refused uh, to believe. Um, I guess I could read the references, uh, the verses. Yeah, go go for it. Okay. Yeah, you should. Uh, This is why I speak to them in parables. Uh, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Yeah. What you, yeah, what, what, are you, what are your initial thoughts on that? So, my, I'll go back to when I first was studying this, because I wrote an article on my blog, actually what I was doing is I was writing an article that was simultaneously for the purpose of teaching a class uh, at my former church. And uh, I wrote this article and I, this was the first time that I stumbled across the idea of, of, of parables being a form of divine judgment. I had never thought of them that before. I'm Mm. like, wait, aren't these just innocent stories that are, you know, an earthly story to convey a heavenly meaning. Aren't we just telling parables for the purpose of actually a clearer understanding? So this was when I was studying this, it was my first exposure. And um, I, the resources that I came across at that time 
we're Calvinist resources. And so my, my first initial thought was, oh, this actually is a pretty good proof uh, of Calvinism. That's, of course, I was reading the Calvinist thinkers. And so I was like, yeah. well, yeah, this is interesting. It's like if, if God, does God really want people, some people, not to know, not to understand? So that was my initial thought. I'm curious your initial thought. My initial thought is a uh, um, a different direction, um, but I I don't think there's a maybe there's a right or wrong. We'll find out. So the thing that I actually we had, we had already kind of established that people Christian non Christian can read these and and understand what they're saying that you know the meaning behind it and whatnot and the, you know the story and and follow along. I almost think that again, kind of a little bit of my own little interpretation here. Hearing they do not hear or understand. I don't think it means that they cannot. They obviously can hear physically. They obviously can understand. I think it's a matter of choice, to be honest. It's a matter of them choosing to. It, the way I, I kind of the first thing that comes to mind is um, kind of a laughing disregard for the truth behind them. I think they kind of see it and they know in their mind, but then it's not for them or it's silly. And so the real truth behind it doesn't hit home for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yes, I, I I agree. I do think, though, while I agree, I do, I do think it goes a little bit further. And I'll tell you what unlocked this passage for me a little bit. Um, when I got to, and I'm not sure exactly which verse it is because I don't I don't have the verse numbers. The the, the actual um, verses being referenced here are Matthew 13, 13 through 15. So I'm not exactly sure which verse this is. It's in the prophecy of Isaiah. When I read the line, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, mm. they, and they have closed their eyes. Okay? So again, my initial thought was, this is divine judgment. This truth is being concealed from them so that they would not see it, so that they would not understand it. But here's the problem with that interpretation. That's not actually what it says. It says, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So yeah. who closed their eyes and their ears, and who made their hearts calloused? Yeah, themselves. They did. They did, right? God did not do that, okay? This is another thing. That um, and again, I I don't I don't want to say I'm an anti-Calvinist because I love a lot of my Calvinist brothers. I just don't think Calvinism is true. I think there are as many proof texts for Arminianism as there are for Calvinism. And personally, I take a Molinist middle knowledge approach that I think nicely reconciles them both. Even though I would infuriate both sides <clears throat> by saying that mm. Calvinists more so. Um, and, and so I think Molinism is a middle ground that makes sense of a lot of this stuff. Um, but right. You'll be so, 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 right. So then, after the logic of their heart has become callous, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Okay. Then it kind of returns to the idea of the parable. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. And again, uh, my initial thought on that was oh, so Jesus is telling the parable so that like they would not 
so that they would not see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and mm. then I would heal them. But I don't think that's what it's saying. Again, that's how I initially read it, and that's how the Calvinist teaching on it was yeah. was was trying to to lead me. But I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's just it, it's actually just making the point that okay, well, their heart's dark. They don't hear with their eyes, or excuse me, yeah, well, of course they don't. They don't hear with their ears, <laughs> and and they close their eyes, yeah. so they can't see. And so even if I did tell them the parable, or 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 if I, you know, it's like the parable is a way of simply just reinforcing, like it's because of the nature of how truth is. They are again some of the people who don't have from verses uh, ten through twelve, and so naturally. And again, as this form of divine judgment, they are going to be in a position where even though this story is being told that for other people, they're being enlightened and it makes so much sense, they're not going to understand it because they don't grasp the truths of the kingdom of God. And, 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 and in their hearts, they're not open to that because they've closed their, their mind. They've closed their eyes. They've closed off their ears. And so, um, yeah, I think the logic of the passage it does not go in the, that initial sort of direction that I thought. It's still divine judgment, and it is because they're unbelieving and hard-hearted, but it's not God's fault that they're that way. It's their fault that they're that way, and the teaching just reinforces that. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, um, this is also related to how one views Romans 9. So Romans 9, if you're not aware, is a very Calvinist-centric passage. It talks a lot about that stuff. It talks about the story of Pharaoh. And, uh, of course, the, the the big question can be raised of Pharaoh. Well, who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Did Pharaoh harden his own heart, or did God harden Pharaoh's heart? The answer, according to the Bible, is yes. Pharaoh hardens his heart. God hardens his heart. Pharaoh hardens his heart. God hardens his heart. It kind of goes back and forth. And so it's not it's not this either or thing. It's Pharaoh's heart is being continually hardened because he's hard against God. But Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so it's sort of the same thing here. Um, you know, that if your heart is dark, if you don't want to see, if you don't want to have your mind open, if you don't want to hear, then you're not going to. And the more teaching that you hear the kingdom of God and the more you shut it off, that is a form of divine judgment. Because you're unbelieving and hard-hearted, so I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, do, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I agree, and I think that kind of goes um, kind of hand in hand with, with what what I was saying is that it's not for a lack of understanding with the mind. Smart people can read this, anyone can read this, and and realize what it's saying. But it's a matter of a choice whether to recognize it and understand it with your heart or not, and have it be, I guess, really real to you in a sense. Yep, correct, correct. Okay, let's move on to the final one, which is to fulfill prophecy. Take it away, Alex. Yep, Jesus used a parable, also filled Old Testament prophecies. Uh, so Matthew 13, 34 to 35, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So as to fill what was spoken through the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Yeah, very fascinating. So this is one of those things that Jesus did in fulfillment of uh, prophecy. Now, go ahead. You no, want, I wasn't, no, you, I wasn't going to say anything. No, go for it. Oh, oh, here. I thought you were going to like come at me with all this enlightened knowledge. Well, I, I think, so. uh, well, since you brought it up, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's interesting how he both uses it. Yeah. To, to fulfill the prophecy, but also on the flip side to create, new prophecy as well um it's so it's kind of uh it kind of serves mm. two prophetic purposes fulfilling and then creating as well that's very fascinating yes 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and this is um, so. So prophecy is interesting. Um, it's confusing. It's really confusing. Um, it, it's confusing as Gehenna, if you know what I mean. Um, so <laughs> anyway, the Bible nerds will get that joke. So um, one of the things with prophecy is there are some prophecies that could be fulfilled or that, that Jesus arguably did fulfill, but they don't have as much sort of evidential weight if you are going to say that, oh, this this is a reason to believe the Bible is true or to believe that God is real or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to put that. So um, could Jesus come on the scene to speak in parables and to say um, that so that what was fulfilled, you know, what was fulfilled was spoken to the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Could he say that and like not be the son of God? Uh, yeah. Right. Couldn't he, I mean, yeah. couldn't he say, Oh, this is a prophecy that needed to be fulfilled. So I'm gonna go out there and fulfill that prophecy. Okay. Um, that's obviously a very skeptical way to approach this, but I, I do think that's true. Now there are some other prophecies, actually quite a bit of them. Um, the vast majority of them probably, um, that are not so clear. In other words, Jesus could obviously raise himself up and go tell prophet and go tell parables and say, Hey, I'm fulfilling prophecy right here. But obviously Jesus couldn't necessarily control exactly what others would do to him. And there are a lot of prophecies about Jesus that are concerning things that other people did to him. Not that he specifically did in virtue of his own will. Um, and so those are a little bit more powerful for us. However, I would say that for his audience, right, Jesus, his direct ministry was to the Jews. Paul felt it was his ministry to take the gospel to the Gentiles, right? Jesus' was, ministry was to the Jew first, um, you know, then to the Greek. And I think this would have been significant for them. Uh, especially if they were identifying with things like this was part of his claim to authority. That's what I'm trying to say here. Okay. Again, for Jesus to be saying that he is speaking in fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah for them, it wasn't so much a matter of, is this true? It was more so a matter of, does this guy know his stuff? Is he the real deal? Like he's claiming, he's claiming this authority, right? He, it, the fulfillment of prophecy for them was not proof that the Bible was true or proof that God was real, right? It was part of him claiming divine authority, part of that claim to being the son of God and being the person who is fulfilling prophecy. So he needed to say this because it, it made sense in that context, even if it doesn't make the most sense to, to us. Does that make any sense? It makes sense. And something, um, just a little detail that's maybe worth mentioning i don't know maybe not um is he didn't just say one parable and then say okay i fulfilled this prophecy like this is i forget right. how many parables he went in this whole list there and it was one after another after another after another and then elsewhere too um and then he finally comes okay like i just fulfilled this <laughs> it you know wasn't a uh, kind of a yeah. not get out of jail but uh okay i checked the box um sort of thing yeah yeah, right. And and so huge for him to be identifying himself because Isaiah speaks of the you know of a messianic figure. And so this is this is very clearly Jesus telling the Jews, 
I am the Messiah that the Old Testament has been telling you about. And that was a huge claim. Yeah. I mean, this is part of why he was crucified for making claims like that. Um, side note, time out, apologetic side note. It frustrates me to no end when people say that Jesus didn't claim to be God, mm. right? People literally wanted him to say, I am God. What they don't, what they don't realize or seem to, and this might even, because they can read it just like I can. So this might even be part of the spiritual blindness and darkness, et cetera. He said that in much plainer terms than even just saying, I am God. He literally said, before Abraham was, I am. You mm -hmm. don't get a more distinct claim to be God from the mouth of Jesus than that. He is identifying himself with the personal revealed name that God gave to the Hebrew people. Mm. And, and again, so this is just another one of those things. He, him identifying himself with the messianic uh, figure. In John 10, he identifies himself with the divine council. In other places, he identifies his, uh, himself as the rider on the clouds that Daniel talks about as being, again, the second Yahweh figure. It's so important to understand these things. Jesus is claiming 100% that he is God. And his use of the parables in this way is, that's another um, a piece of authentication for that, a piece of evidence that he was claiming who he said, um, you know, who he said he was. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I never, yeah. never would have thought that just looking at the parable aspect. Right? And so, so I, we're, you know, we're wrapping up here. Um, but this is one of those things where, you know, the, the Bible is so cool, right? I literally wrote a book about this. Hit me up on Amazon, Steve Schramm, <laughs> author page. The Bible is not boring. Look up that book, okay? Um, parables, right? I have to admit, I've always thought parables were a little boring, right? Like, story, you, you know, once, so, like, then you skip these, through it. Yeah, exactly. Cute little children's stories. It's not that at all. Like, look at how much depth, like 30 minutes. And honestly, we could go way longer if we had mm -hmm. the time, right? But like 30 minutes just talking about the purpose of parables and how cool and important they are and how they affect what you believe about who Jesus was and the nature of salvation and like how people come to know Jesus and how people, um, despite all the evidence are hard hearted, you know, to believe against him. And, uh, yeah, lots there just in the idea of these, of these super simple stories. And I guess just to kind of, uh, for a parting salvo here, just reminds me of the gospel itself, how the gospel is so complex and yet, so simple. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's one of the most beautiful and interesting paradoxes in the scriptures. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, yeah, it, the simplicity of everything can be understood by anyone. And yet you have world debates by renowned, like atheists and Christian scholars debating over the nuances of it. And even mm -hmm. if, even if the side that disavows Christianity as true or the Bible, the fact that they still have to sit and contend with, um, <laughs> people arguing for it, um, just speaks a lot to how, uh, um, yeah, just how complex and scholarly it is. It's a very interesting, interesting book. It's both infinitely simple and infinitely complex and, um, yeah. very, 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 very beautiful as a, as a result. Well, Hey, uh, why don't we move into stories of the week? Yep. Um, I can go ahead first. Um, mine's short and simple um so michael kane the uh um the actor 
Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the name, he played in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies. Um, he played Alfred in the Batman series. And then there's a lot of older ones. I'm actually less familiar with his like main works, I think. But one of my favorite movies with him is have you ever seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? No, I have not. Oh, it's so good. It was Steve Barton. So those two together. And it is great. Anyway, nice. um, he just announced his retirement, Michael Caine. So I think he's 90, really? 92 or something like that. Wow. And uh, enough, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think you said something like along the lines of like from here on out, all I'm going to be doing is playing the old guy. And so I think he just kind of gave up the part. But uh, I mean, we all get wow. to that point, but it's still a little sad, you know, like I think it's like a 50 year, 50 or 60. I think it's 60 years acting career and uh, just kind of one Man. of those guys where everyone just kind of liked him in movies. You know, he was always, you know, just a oh. solid actor, you know. So, brilliant man yeah he's a brilliant actor he's so so good. good so anyway just a little simple news news flash there man well all right so um mine is uh the daily wire has just announced a new uh platform full of kids content called bent key and it is very good i'm so we downloaded it uh today we got on uh the daily wire insiders um deal and uh i think it was 149 a year and that's access to all of the daily wire plus content minus the live streams which i don't care about the live streams um yeah. so it's all of the daily wire plus content minus live streams plus bent key which is uh again their new kids streaming platform and that by itself is a 99 a year value that's what you'd pay for it um if you got it by itself and uh, the kids are loving it so we downloaded it tonight and um have started using it the, the content on there is really really well done from what we're seeing so far and um it it held the kids uh, attention for most of the evening tonight as we were kind of checking it out and um it's really cool to see uh some conservative voices or at least some voices that are you know um yes uh there is bias in their um uh, in their political commentary, but the point of Bentke is not to, you know, to shove any sort of political agenda on anyone. It's just good, family-friendly, lighthearted entertainment with no political bias or whatever. You know, you don't have to worry about random agendas being thrown in there. It's just good, family-friendly fun, um, and uh, really great. So I'm enjoying it so far. I would highly recommend you to go check it out. Just go to bentkey.com, or if you're already a Daily Wire Plus uh, subscriber, <laughs> you have access to this. You just have to go activate it. So it's good. Yeah. I was just looking at some of the shows in there. It looked like they had some pretty cool um, cartoon shows for kids of like of all ages, even getting up to like 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, mm -hmm. and it looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They got some really cool looking stuff on there. They got some um, so like a good mix of cartoons and live action. One of the things they're doing is bringing back Saturday morning cartoons. Right. I mean, like, oh how great gosh. is that? So, yeah. Like, yeah, that's when new, that's when like new stuff is going to release on there. It's like on Saturday morning. They're literally bringing back Saturday morning cartoons. And I'm just like. You know, that, that, this, this is not a, this is a discussion for a, probably a different podcast altogether, but I'll just go there real quick. This is what I appreciate about conservatism. Okay. Not that I don't like to be progressive in some things. I mean, obviously we need to progress, but, um, I just love the idea of conservatism, of being sure that we don't lose the best parts mm. of the past. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, I feel like progressivism unfortunately has this idea that change, for change's sake is good. And that's not true. At least it, it, it it's not evidently true to me. It seems like we want to conserve the the best of 
what we have been given, and then we want to move on from the worst of what we've been given. It seems like that's how society should actually progress, and that's what conservatism wants to hold to. It's not against innovation, um, but it is against losing what is good. And so Bent Key was announced on the 100th year anniversary of Disney's launching their uh, company. And of course, Disney, one of one of Disney's big launches onto the scene was with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And um, Daily Wire, uh, Bent Key, is launching, uh, and they announced their opening salvo as well, being Snow White and the Evil Queen. And so um, it's kind of like, it feels like a, a powerful time. Uh, it feels like a redo, right? It, mm. it, it feels like, like I told my wife, I said, you know, it's going to take 20 years. So technology, where it is today, and um, I think it, it's it, it's an entirely different world than when Walt Disney announced his mm. company. And uh, and so obviously it took many, many years to get where they were. Um, this, this is a prediction. I don't know. I gave it 20 years. Give it 20 years, and I think that – uh, the Daily Wire, Bent Key, and, and their endeavors, I think they will have successfully created a world that is something like Disney for conservatives, right? Something mm. like that. I, I think it will, I think it could be that big. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I really do. Because the, the, the programming doesn't suck. It's actually entertaining. It's actually good. They hire fantastic people i mean like the the dad in one of their shows the chip chilla show the dad is voiced by rob schneider like oh, professional, wow. yeah. I, yeah, yeah like they are doing it right they're doing a really good job so i give it 20 years i think 20 years they are going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with and i'm looking forward to going to like bent key land or whatever they end up calling it you know like i like i i, I hope my kids get to make memories in a place like that I made my memories at Disney before it went totally woke. And I still, by the way, I still like go to, you know, Disney and like I have Disney plus I'm not like, you know, Ixnay on the Disney. I mean, I, you know, it, some of those stories are just timeless and, you know, it's a big part of my, my past and I want to pass the good parts of that to my kids, but I'm excited about a world where I don't have to worry about any kind of woke agenda or other propaganda. And uh, so really fascinating. I wonder, it'd be interesting they could probably do some version of this. It would just have to be totally different. It's hard to recreate, but like the magic of Disney that has been there for so long. That's something hard to just make. Even if you do everything well and check all the boxes and create good content, but um, just like you kind of bring it up, like if they had some type of like bent key world or something, that'd be cool if they, that's like, they have to build up their story. I think they've done a great job so far and they have to keep working towards that and create that kind yeah. of magical, you know, just kind of special mark on themselves. Well, I have to admit, they're I they got a good start. I mean, from what I'm seeing, they've even already got some really good branding around. Like, like they've got a great little musical, like a little. Mm, it's not good. not really a jing, not really a jingle. Actually, it is kind of a jingle. Um, but like you know, when the app loads up and whatever, it like plays the little tone, mm, and it's yeah. already it's already doing some of that world building stuff. And uh, some of their look, you can tell from their look of the app and everything that they like, and their graphic design and everything, they're borrowing a lot from Disney, mm -hmm. and they're doing it right in that sense, right? They are they know the pieces of it that work. And Jeremy uh, Boring, the co CEO of Daily Wire and uh, Ben Key, you know, they are talking about um, adventure and wonder and exploration like literally when you mm. buy when you when you like anybody can sign up for a free bent key account when you pay when you become a member what you're doing is signing up for an adventure pass okay mm. right so 
Lots of branding going on. There's even mystique around the name. Jeremy wears a bent key around his neck. Literally nobody has any idea what it is. People have asked and looked and whatever, and they don't explain it anywhere. There's, so there's all this mystery and wonder around it and a sense of adventure. So, um, yeah, they, they have a lot of work to do. But honestly, Disney hasn't talked about that stuff for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what Walt Disney talked about a lot. I'm a huge Disney nerd, right? So going way back, Walt Disney himself talked about that stuff. But nobody has talked about that stuff for a very long time. It became very profit-driven and very po- uh, politics-driven. And it has nothing to do with instilling magical stuff and a sense of wonder and adventure in kids like it used to. And uh, I think I think anybody who grew up like me and you – with that, with hearing that message of adventure and wonder and all of that, that leaves a huge void. And anybody who grew up with it and knows that it's not there in Disney now and is just dying for it, right? Because of that human yearning mm. towards story, towards a good story about adventure and wonder and magic and breaking the mold. And that's where that's what they're doing. So I, I, I'm excited for it, man. I forget what the cartoon was that we were watching the day. It was on Disney Plus, and it was one of the older ones. Oh, I think. Oh my gosh, it was just like today, but there's another one. But um, no, it was yesterday. Evie put on the Fox and the Hound, and ah oh, yes, and for like, there's always um some type of like nostalgia that make you think that things are better than what they were. But like, my objective mind took over, and I didn't have that sense of like nostalgia or watching as a kid. I was just watching like the art. And the sound, the music, and the story development, I was just like, this is like a great movie. Like yeah. all of the, all of those movies, and I'm not saying they don't have any modern ones that are that are good, but just like that style of art and the amount of time and like each frame just put so much energy into it. It just like mm-hmm. like an adventurous, wonderful creation. Um it'd be great to see yep. more of that. Not necessarily saying you have to stick with that type of art style, but just like that type of feeling. Yeah, and and I I like to think that I'm being fairly objective because I do think there are some things. For example, right? I don't know how much you watch these, but me and my wife talk about them all the time. Um, like I grew up in the era of like Disney Channel original movies and TGIF and um, um, you know Boy Meets World and like all those things like that, right? And um, it's not like kids don't have shows like that today. Now, granted, it is a little different, right? With TGIF. It was an event because remember back in those days you had to be in front of the TV at a certain yeah. time. So it was like, thank God it's Friday. You were watching that, or like you were watching Nick at Night. And so those are things that I think uh, you can't night. get right. <laughs> that brings back the like, nostalgia. <laughs> Just thinking about you that. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So so while we can't get that back, you know, like movies like The Genius and Jumpin' Ship and Cadet Kelly, like that was mm. even even at the end of it. But those sort of things, um, they are nostalgic for me. But I think that's subjective. I think my kids, as they grow older, will look back to the things that they're watching and thinking about now and have some of those same thoughts about theirs. I think that piece of it is subjective. But something going back to like the fox and the hound, right? I think there is – that's a great example because it was one of my favorites growing up. But I don't think that wishing for a return to something like that is – is merely subjective. I, I think there's something more transcendent yeah. to that, something more objective, just about how the how that was just a great story and the way that the story was told. It was told in 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 such a in such a story way, instead mm-hmm. instead of an agenda driven way. It's almost like this is the best way I, I can think to put it. It's almost like 
old school Disney and 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 the ideas that Walt himself had um, were made to penetrate here, made to tra- penetrate yeah. your heart. Whereas now, what they want to do is penetrate your mind. It feels like they're trying to penetrate your mind now with political ideas instead of your heart with a good transcendent story. And um, those are two different things entirely. And I think undoubtedly and unashamedly, the Daily Wire as a company wants to penetrate your mind with good conservative thinking and a a particular bias, a particular way of seeing the world. But with Bentke, they are actively just trying to prick your heart. And to tell good stories and to instill a sense of wonder and appreciation for where we've come from and where we're going in the future. And um, that the ability to, to even articulate that difference and share it widely and then deliver on it is huge. And I think that's the power of it. It's a big undertaking. I I might have to get it just to take a dive into the shows on there. They're spending a hundred million dollars over three years on this content. They're wow. very serious about it. Sounds so, like yeah. um, they must be bringing in several shows that probably the majority of them that are not made in-house, at least for now, but are just good shows. And then they have a that's few correct. of their own. I think that's what you were telling yep. me. They have four originals right now. And then they, I think, I want to say there's like 11 or 15 or something like that. Others that they have paid a, a team of of people to like comb through various libraries and whatever and license uh, the rights to that are just good family friendly. So, I mean, just imagine somebody actually sitting around, like taking the time mm-hmm. to watch every episode of these shows and then saying, yep, this is a show that we, that, that we can put our, our stamp of approval on. And I love it because my kids are loving it. And it's like, I told my wife, like, um, you know, it's like, there was a day. Um, when you didn't have to so closely monitor everything. And it's not like it's not like you want to be a hands-off parent. That's not what I mean. But it's really nice to just have this one thing where I don't have to necessarily go through and approve a show. I yeah. just know that when they watch this show, it's going to have good, fun, family-friendly mm-hmm. content. And it's not even... So I'm a member of Faith Life Connect, which is Logos Bible Software, and I get a bunch of stuff with that. One of the things I get with that is their Faith Life TV, okay, which has its own slew of animated stuff and and, and whatever. But again, it is um, it's really corny, right? It's just that <laughs> yeah, corny. That ruins it that, so much. It's that corny Christian content, and honestly, and and I. I my kids ages some of it they're okay with like they love bible agent seven like it's honestly the coolest one mm-hmm. but it's so stinking corny and this is not corny this is the this is the level of quality that you want mm-hmm. while at the same time being family friendly and just helping them to think big and yeah it's powerful stuff so highly recommend ben key you, I, I wish i had an affiliate link i've sold it pretty hard here i'd love to get a kickback on this but no kickback this is totally for free you should go join uh 99 bucks it's it's probably the best ninety nine bucks you'll spend all year. It's really good. Awesome. I I paid ninety nine bucks just to have Saturday cartoons back. So my uh, I forget if I want to say it was before school and then end up moving to Saturdays. My big one around like ten or eleven was Yu Gi Oh. I loved following that show. Oh my I gosh. loved Yu Gi Oh. Huge Yu Gi Oh so fan good. here. It was so good. Mm. Yeah, I love me great. some blue eyes, white dragon and some red eyes, yes. black dragon and some time wizard, the time wizard with the little mustache and the clock and the hat. He was my favorite. That Man, I, lo- had I, had a, I had a reflective time wizard card and I just loved, loved that thing. I still do have you, all my cards. Do you remember how that show ended? 
I still remember it because it blew my mind. Like the story was so good. So remember how? Well, it's I still forget, continuing on. Like, are I, you talking about like probably the original? Like, I guess the first season of it or whatever. No, like, the, and I'm sure it continues on. But there was at one point, like, it was like a big deal. It was like, like the okay. like, final like journey thing or whatever. And I kept watching it, waiting for the end. And I forget the names. It's been so long. But remember, he'd switch between like Yugi and I, you know, like himself, and then like the adult version of himself. Yeah, I forget exactly how it played yeah. out. And he was playing against the real bad guy with the eye that could like literally like read his mind or something. And so the way he figured out beating him was he would switch between himself so that he wouldn't even know his own cards. And therefore his opponent with the, with the gold eye or whatever, couldn't read his mind and see what he had. And that's how he ended up beating him. And I just like, it was so cool. I remember that. I think I remember that. Uh, now I'm gonna have to go back and how do I watch Yu-Gi-Oh? Like I think uh, the last time I checked, this was several years ago, but I thought they were free on YouTube. I really thought they that's were. That's what I was just getting ready to check. Like, <laughs> yeah, I th- like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Original, that was a long right? time like, ago. I think you just look up Yu-Gi-Oh like episode, like season one, episode one. I'm pretty sure it was up there unless it got taken. I down. think so. O- official Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, like there's full playlist. Like Yu-Gi-Oh season zero. Um, yeah, man. Isn't that interesting? Awesome wow. Dad gum. Anyway. That doesn't look maybe that's not what I you get anyway. Okay. Well <laughs> it's Had time fun. to end the podcast, right? And that's what we yeah. do now, I think. Yes. And so yes. And so the next podcast we have, we'll probably have a couple, at least one, maybe two movie reviews that we'll do. And then we'll have to come up with another yeah mini-series or at least some type of like relative like similarly related topics and kind of go over some stuff or i don't know maybe we do a few offshoot episodes but we'll have to put our minds yeah. together and uh yeah come up with some i'm excited i'm excited for it man i'm excited so good times it's a good time to be a listener of the story world podcast if you're not a listener to the story world podcast you you're not hearing what i'm saying but you should be hearing what I'm saying. Like, like, why aren't you a listener? That's the dumbest thing ever. You should totally check out the best podcast on the internet, Story World with Steve and your boy out. All right, that's all for now. Hide your kids, hide your wife, tell your friends, share, like, comment, all the little things. Hit the bell if you're on YouTube. That's all I got. Hit the bell, ring the bell, do whatever you need to do. Peace out. See ya.